Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. Welcome to the Joshua Nation's Inheritance Podcast. I want to tell you a story, a story about a young, uh, young lady named Susie. Susie was a high school student. She was uh, 18 years old. She'd lived in a family that loved her. She was the kind of person that you'd want to have as a friend. She was outgoing. She was friendly. Uh, she was nice. She was friendly to people who were popular. She was friendly to those who didn't have friends. She was just a kind of a great young lady and uh, people loved being around her. She had been pretty protected in her life and had uh, been a kid who was involved in in a youth group. She was uh, just kind of an ideal child. And then she went to college. And maybe you've had some uh, teenagers yourself, and you realize that as you go to college, sometimes things go a different direction, especially for Susie, who had been so protected by her parents. She began to experience life in a new way. And her uh, freshman year in college uh, did so poorly in school because she was doing such little school that she wound up being returning at the end of her school year back home with a academic probation, not being able to come back to school the next year. It overwhelmed her. She was uh, so sad, uh, embarrassed. Her parents were wondering what to tell their friends. There was such a, a place of shame and guilt in her family. And yet this shock would be nothing compared to the shock that she'd find out in just a few months when she had to come home and discover that she, as a 19-year-old young girl, was pregnant. This was not what her parents were looking forward to. This was not what she was looking forward to. And there was a sense of uh, overwhelming uh, pain and shame in her life that she'd never experienced before. Her uh, boyfriend, Jim, was a kind of a wild child. He was the one who was so different than her parents. And uh, Susie went off looking for adventure, and she found it and wound up as a young uh, young teenager, pregnant and wondering how to move forward. And so uh, she uh, kept that secret from her parents for a number of months until she finally realized that it was not going to be able to be kept secret any longer. And uh, she told her parents that she was pregnant. There was such a overwhelming uh, guilt in her gut as she watched her parents' disappointment show in her eyes, wondering what would they tell their friends? What would their friends think? What would the church think? that their daughter, their perfect daughter, was was pregnant. She kept it a secret from everyone else because she was so overwhelmed by guilt that uh, it wasn't until until April that she actually did something amazing. She got onto an airplane with her boyfriend, flew to another state, and got married. They eloped. They went and got married without telling their parents. When she came back home, the guilt and shame was still so much there that rather than moving in with her new husband, she moved back in with her parents, didn't tell them that she was um, married. And it wasn't until August when she had the child that she actually moved in with her husband. Such a story of guilt and shame. And yet um, that child was a uh, was a surprise. And yet I understand that child was not an accident. I'm so thankful that my mom, in spite of her young age, was willing to say, I'll carry this child through pregnancy. And because of that, because of that amazing courage, I stand here today. That sense of guilt and shame can sometimes have a generational um, plug and continue on and have some kind of a 
staying power. And as a young boy, I found that I needed role models. My dad was trying his best. My mom was trying her best. But as two 20-year-olds trying to raise a child after being raised in a place of guilt and shame, they didn't quite know how to handle this young child who is now a gift in their life. Thankfully, though, it wasn't a surprise to God. Uh, God longs to come alongside and support men and women and children. And one of the ways he does that is by bringing people into their life who will support them. And I'm so thankful that my mom brought me to church. And at a church, I found a group of men who were role models, men who were heroes. I got involved in sports and I met coaches who encouraged me and challenged me and mentored me. So I, I discovered that God was bringing people into my life, people who would support me, people who would encourage me, people who would walk with me, people in church who would be role models, coaches who would come alongside of me and support me, and grandparents who, although they were initially overwhelmed, embarrassed, and shocked that the daughter was pregnant, quickly discovered that God has amazing gifts even when you're not ready for them. And they loved me with a love that was uh, amazing. One day when I was five years old, I was walking through my grandparents' house. I had spent the night there. And this morning early, I was sneaking through their house trying to spy on them. I came around the corner near their kitchen and I saw them eating breakfast. I stood there quietly and listened in on their conversation. And although I was only five, I understood quickly what was happening. They weren't just eating breakfast. They were praying together. And I heard my grandparents praying for me. I heard my grandparents thanking God for me. I heard them praying for my future. And I was overwhelmed with a love that came alongside of me. And in many ways, my grandparents were my first mentors. We need mentors. At DCPI, where I serve, we have a real challenge ahead of us of wanting to mentor leaders. We believe that everybody needs a mentor. Every church planner needs a mentor. And a mentor is someone who has been where you want to go and is willing to help you get there. When I was a young boy, God provided that for me in grandparents. As I went into older age, God began to provide people who would be mentors for me. And that word mentor is not really a new term. It goes back, really back in literature, back to the time of Homer's Odyssey. In Homer's Odyssey, the story is of Odysseus, who was king of Ithaca. He had a son named Telemachus. And when Odysseus was going to go off to battle the Trojans, he had an issue. He needed someone to care for his son, Telemachus. Who would possibly be able to raise his son the way that he would raise his son if he were there? He looked, he searched, and finally he found someone, someone he trusted, someone who would invest their life into Telemachus, who would raise him like his father would if his father were there. That man's name was Mentor. And Mentor came alongside and stood in the gap for Telemachus, stood in the gap for his father, Odysseus, and supported him and encouraged him and helped him to grow into who he was designed to be. That's what we do at DCPI. That's what we do as leaders, isn't it? 
We try to come alongside of people and mentor them, help them to get where they want to go because God has a plan for them. Back in 2017 at DCPI, we took our challenge of equipping leaders to plant churches to reach the world for Christ. And we looked at what we were doing through training and we began to ask ourselves the question, what would happen if we didn't just train them, but we also intentionally mentored them? What would happen if we would come alongside of them and mentor them? And so along with a ministry called Campus Crusade Crew, Global Church Planning Movements, we selected in the country of Tanzania, 25 leaders, 25 leaders who wanted to plant churches. And we said, we want to spend two years walking with you. And so what we did is we selected 25 leaders who we believe God was calling to plant churches. And we came alongside of them with five leaders, five leaders who would mentor them, who would walk with them for two years and encourage them and challenge them and be the kind of leader who would give them a pat on the back and also a kick in the pants when they needed it, who would help them become all that God had designed them to be. We decided to intentionally mentor. These leaders in Tanzania had amazing results through their two years of being mentored. After two years of receiving training and mentoring, we discovered something incredible had happened. These 25 leaders in two years planted 109 churches. They didn't just plant a church. They planted a church that planted a church that planted a church that planted a church because they were being encouraged and challenged and comforted and pushed by a mentor who walked with them. These leaders planted fourth generation churches. And we started counting up the people who had met Christ because of these 109 churches. And we found that there were 13,608 people in those churches on Sunday, not because we had the 25 best leaders, but because God came alongside and mentored those leaders and helped them become all that God had designed them to be. So we believe that you really need three people in your life. God has given you a life in which you need three key people. First, you need a mentor. You need someone who has been where you want to go and is willing to help you get there. A mentor will ignite your passion. It's an amazing thing when a flame comes to a candle and the candle comes to life. It comes to life because the fire touches it. In the same way, when a mentor comes into your life, like my grandparents did, like those leaders in Tanzania received, when you find a mentor who will invest their life into you, you will find your passion ignited. Secondly, you need someone to mentor. You need someone who you will invest your life into. As the mentor pours their life into you, you now pour your life into someone else, like mentor did for Telemachus. You need someone who will invest to you can invest your life into. And as you do that, they will catch your passion. A mentor ignites your passion, someone to mentor catches your passion. And finally, you need a team. You need a group of people to do life with, people who will walk with you. You need a mentor to ignite your passion. You need someone to mentor who will catch your passion. And you need a team because a team will share your passion. So God has great plans for you as leaders to help 
people you're, you're working with to find that mentor, to act like the Apostle Paul did to Timothy. Let me share with you very quickly four ways that your passion is ignited by having a mentor. First, a mentor empowers you to discover your purpose. That's what a mentor does. They empower you to discover your purpose. That's what Paul did for Timothy. If you remember in, in Acts 16, it talks about Paul coming to Derby and Lystra. And it says, behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy. Paul wanted to have him go on with him. As they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in number daily. Paul, the mentor, found Timothy and invited him to join him. A mentor will empower you to discover your purpose. That word empower is a great compound word. It literally means to pour power into someone. And that's what Paul did for Timothy. He poured power, not his own power, but the Holy Spirit working through Paul empowered Timothy so he would discover a gift that he had a purpose. Paul invited Timothy to come with him. And in that journey, Timothy discovered who God had designed him to be. Now, if Paul wouldn't have come into Timothy's life, he might not have discovered his purpose. He could have had a good life, maybe even a happy life. But Paul coming alongside of him allowed him to be empowered in such a way that he would discover his purpose. When I was 19 years old, God brought someone like that into my life. I was going to college, enjoying life, just having a good time. And then I met a man named Gary Tassone. Gary was a youth pastor at my church. And he asked me one day, Scott, would you join us on a Wednesday night and help us with junior hires? Now, I thought, I don't like junior hires. I've got better things to do on Wednesday night, but, you know, I could give Gary this help. So I went over one day to help him. After the night, we went to dinner together with his leaders, and I actually had a great time. I was enjoying it. About two weeks later, Gary asked if I would come again to the youth group. After a few weeks of those, I began to discover that I was enjoying that group I was with. And then a Tuesday night, late Tuesday night, Gary called me and said, Scott, I've got a problem. Tomorrow, there's a the junior high event. I hope you're coming again, but I need your help. We need someone who will lead the dodgeball game, a game where you throw a ball at junior hires. And I thought, I can throw a ball and hit junior hires. Sure, I can do that. I'll help. And so I said, Gary, no problem. I've got it. Later that week, I went out to lunch with Gary. And he, across the table, he handed me a book and said, Scott, here's a book you really need to read. In fact, if you were going to read this, Scott, I'd, I can meet with you once a week and we can talk about it. See what you're learning from the book. After a season, Gary asked if I'd be willing to become a regular, consistent leader in the junior high ministry. Now, I didn't see what Gary was doing. <laughs> if he would have asked me three months ago, would you be a junior high leader? I would have said, no, Gary, I don't have time. I don't like junior hires. I don't want to do this. But through the journey, I began to discover that I actually like junior hires. I loved watching them meet Jesus, and I could lead them in a Bible study. 
I didn't see it, but what Gary was doing is that he was mentoring me. He was taking me on a journey and helping me to discover my purpose. A mentor will empower you to discover your purpose. The second thing a mentor does to help you ignite your passion is that a mentor encourages you to see your real potential. That's what Paul did with the leaders he worked with. He helped them to see who they really were, not who they currently were, but who they could become as God's spirit worked in them. In Acts 17, it says that at night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now, the Berean Jews were a more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as did a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. Remember, Timothy is with Paul, and he's seeing the amazing things that, that are happening. It says, when the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, some of them went there too, and they agitated the crowd and stirred the crowd up. The believers immediately set Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. Those who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left him with instructions for, the, for Paul and Silas to join him as soon as possible. God had Paul bring Timothy with him on the journey. And here in Acts 17, he actually leaves Timothy behind and says, Timothy, you're now in charge. And I'm sure Timothy was thinking, I don't know enough to be in charge. I'm not ready to be in charge. But Paul set Silas and Timothy aside. Paul believed in Timothy more than Timothy believed in himself. You need a mentor because a mentor will encourage you to see your real potential. They'll come alongside of you and help you see who God has designed you to be. I had men in my life who trusted me in ministry when I should not have been trusted yet. But thankfully, they began to see what God was making me into, and they encouraged me. I was empowered. I was given their power, the power from God, and I was encouraged. I was given courage as they spent time with me. A mentor will help you discover your purpose, and a mentor will help you see your real potential. The third thing a mentor does is that a mentor will equip you to live out your purpose. Paul helped Timothy discover his purpose but he also came alongside him and helped him to live out that purpose. Paul would write to Timothy in the book of 2 Timothy and say, I'm reminded, Timothy, of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. A mentor will equip you to live out your purpose. At this time, Timothy's flame might not have been blazing. It might have been flickering. It might have been almost dead. We don't know, but we know this, that. 
Paul wanted to remind him of who he was and challenge him to live up to the call that he had been given. He was equipping him. That word equip means to prepare. When Jesus came to the fishermen after a long night of fishing, he came to them in the morning and he found them equipping their nets. They were preparing their nets. They were mending them. They were fixing them, getting them ready for the next day's fishing. And so they took a long time after that long night of fishing to equip the nets. In the same way, Paul equipped Timothy, prepared him, mended him, challenged him, mentored him in such a way that he would discover how to live out his life purpose. The leaders in Tanzania had mentors. These five mentors put them into a group with five leaders each, and they walked alongside of them. They called them. They sent them messages through Signal. They met together every three months. The mentors were from another country, from next door in Kenya, but they would take a six-hour bus drive to come and be with them face-to-face every three months and challenge them encourage them, empower them, and equip them. And as a result, they discovered their purpose. They would have been called the church plant and also how to live out that purpose by planting generational churches. I'm so thankful that I had someone in my life who was that for me. When my wife and I moved 500 miles to a new area to plant a church, On our way, we were in a trailer, and we had all of our things back in the trailer. We were driving, my wife and myself, our three-year-old daughter, Caitlin, and our year-old daughter, Kelsey. I had read a book about church planting. I had talked to a couple church planters, but I had no idea what I was about to do. I was way over my head. I looked around, and I realized, oh my gosh, we have a church with four people. And two of them are three years old and younger. (laughs) How are we going to do this? Well, thankfully, God brought into my life a mentor, a mentor named Phil. Phil showed up at my one of my first days there in the new community. He came alongside of me and he spent time with me. We met together every Monday at a McDonald's for coffee. Those Mondays were encouragement to me. He would remind me that God was never going to leave me. There were some Mondays when I felt like I had to quit because I was so over my head. I was not prepared for this. I didn't know how to do this. And he reminded me that God was with me, that it was God who was doing the ministry, not me. He was working through me. He had called me. And because he had called me, God would also equip me. And Phil was that mentor who would help me in that journey. I remember one Monday, like it was just yesterday, I sat at the McDonald's with my coffee and I said, Phil, I just, I can't keep doing this. I'd been working for weeks, really for months, way too hard. I was completely out of balance. I was trying to do the ministry on my own power. I was working hard. I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't taking days off. I wasn't resting in the Lord. And Phil looked at me and he locked eyes with me and he said, Scott, 
I want you to remember this. You're a child of the king. You're husband to Kathy. And you're daddy to Caitlin and Kelsey. And you have the temporary assignment of planting this church. Now, I heard that. I, I got a little angry. I thought, wait, temporary? What do you mean temporary? I moved 500 miles to do this. I'm over my head, but I'm committed, Phil. This isn't temporary. He said, it is temporary, Scott. It might be for the next 20 years, but it's still temporary. Your real role is that you're a child of God. You are husband to Kate and your daddy to your two little girls, Caitlin and Kelsey, and you have the temporary assignment of planting this church. Remember that. A mentor can speak into your life that way. They can encourage you and challenge you. They can equip you to live out your purpose. Phil, help me stay on track with what God was calling me to do, to plant the church, but to first of all, be a follower of Christ. Let me share with you one last thing that a mentor does for you. A mentor engages you for multiplication. I remember Phil telling me about, <laughs> about three months into our new church plant starting. He said, hey, Scott, great launch. When are you going to plant your daughter church? And I said, Phil, we're like three months old, man. Give me a break. I'm just figuring out how to even set chairs up. I'm not ready to plant another church. He said, Scott, you've got to. Begin thinking about it. When are you going to plant your daughter church? I said, well, not today, Phil. <laughs> he said, okay, but I'll keep asking you. I want to keep challenging you because you need to stay on task with what God is calling you to do. He was trying to engage me in multiplication. He said, it's too hard, Scott, to plant just one church. You need to plant a church that plants a church. If you want to just plant this one church, God bless you, and I love you, and I'll support you. But if you want to plant this church that plants many churches, then we can really do ministry together. In 2 Timothy, Paul wrote, You then, my son Timothy, be strong in the grace of Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. 2 Timothy 2.2 is a very simple verse, but it lays out a picture of multiplication, of reproduction. Jesus calling Saul, who became Paul. Paul working with Timothy. Timothy now being called to pass it on to reliable people who will then pass it on and teach others. It's four generations coming through Paul. And in the same way, God wanted to plant through me, not just a church, but many churches. About 12 years ago, I joined, as Jason shared, a ministry called Dynamic Church Planting International. Our vision is to equip leaders to plant churches to reach the world for Jesus. We come alongside and train leaders like we did in Tanzania. But we realize that what really want to happen is to see multiplication happen to see it not just one generation, but four generations deep. My president, Paul Becker, was challenging me as I went to Tanzania to not just have them plant a church, but to plant the church, a 
we don't just plant a church, we plant churches and coming alongside and mentoring them in such a way that they would be empowered, they would be equipped, they would be engaged to discover all that God had for them. You need a mentor. The people you're working with need a mentor. So here's the question. How do you find a mentor? How do you find someone to mentor you? Well, I told you about my, some of my mentors, Gary Tassone, Bill Claycomb, Paul Becker. Remember, a mentor is someone who has been where you want to go. And so I guess the first question is this, do you know where you want to go? If you're wondering that, and you're maybe not certain of where God wants to take you yet, let me encourage you. In fact, let me challenge you to take a prayer retreat. It sounds so simple, but let me challenge you to set aside time that you go away and hear from God. My mentor, Paul Becker, is the kind of man who takes a prayer retreat every quarter. And one day he challenged me when I joined DCPI, Scott, you need to go hear from God. He gave me a little book called How to Have a Prayer Retreat. And I went away, and for a day and a half, I spent time listening to God. That day and a half really changed the way that I understood how God's spirit wants to speak to us. And so if you're wondering where you want to go and you'd like to know how to have a prayer retreat, what to do on that prayer retreat, if you'll send me an email, skirk at dcpi.org, S-K-I-R-K at dcpi.org. I would love to uh, send you that little book that I read from Paul that encouraged me to go away and hear from God. And once you hear where God's leading you, maybe it's in your, uh, maybe it's in your personal life, maybe it's in a friendship, maybe it's in your finances, maybe it's in your marriage. But you begin to discover from God where He wants you to go. Now you need a mentor. So who are the people who are where you want to go? Who are the people that live out that lifestyle that you feel like God is calling you to become? And I want to encourage you to challenge you to make a list of people who are like the kind of person you would like to be. Make a list of people, five deep, 10 deep. Ask God to show you people who you think, man, I'd love to be like them when I grow up. Even though they're younger than me, I'd like to be like them when I grow up. I'd love to have coffee with this guy and ask him some questions. If I could just have an hour of their time to sit and talk with them and get some advice, Man, that would be so helpful. What you're looking for is a scout. It's like you're on this journey and you're in a new territory you've never been before. And you're feeling over your head like I was with my church plant. You think you're, you might be a little bit lost. And what you need is someone who has been where you want to go to help you get there. You need a scout who will say, be careful around this area. They'll ask you questions that will help you discover what it is and where it is that God's leading you. So now you've got a list. You know where you want to go, and you've got a list of people who are the kind of person you'd like to be someday. Well, how will you find out if they are willing to help you get there? Because that is an important part of the phrase. A mentor is someone who has been where you want to go, and they're also willing to help you get there. Not everyone on your list is willing to help you get there. Some of them may be too busy. Some of them may not see value in helping you get there. Some of them just might not like you. 
I mean, it's harsh, but the reality is not everyone on that list is willing to help you get there. So how do you find out if the people on your list, the people who are where you'd like to go are willing to help you get there? Well, you ask them. You muster up the courage. You find the daringness to ask them if they'd be willing to have coffee with you. Now, remember, you're not asking them to be your best friend. You're not asking them to spend every week with you for the rest of your life. You're simply asking them if they'd be willing to sit down with you and give you some advice. Share with them how much you respect them, how much you admire them. Share with them that you're wanting to go someplace and you could really use their help. Would they be willing to spend an hour with you? And then you meet them and you have coffee with them. You meet them at the, at the trailhead. You meet them at a lunch place and you begin to ask them questions. And you begin to allow them to speak into your life in a way that empowers you and encourages you and engages you. So come ready for the meeting. Come with a list of questions. Be on time. Buy their meal. Ask them questions. Take notes. Let them know what you think your next step is. Let them pray with you and for you. And then follow up with them. Thank them for the way they helped you. Let them know what your conversation with them, how that helped you take the next step. I know right about now you're wondering, well, these people, I'm not sure they'll have time for me. The reality is this. There are many people who would love to be a mentor, but they're not asked. UCLA basketball coach here in the United States, John Wooden, who won many championships, was a, a chief mentor. One afternoon, a young college student came to him and said, Mr. Wooden, can I, can I take you to lunch? Thinking that coach would be polite, but not follow through. He was amazed when coach showed up, ready to engage. And he asked him, well, coach, can I ask you, why are you here? And he said, because you asked me. In fact, I have more time to do these kind of things, but I'm rarely asked. So let me encourage you and challenge you to find someone who will mentor you. And as you find that, let me encourage and challenge you to find someone you can mentor. Find someone you can invest your life into. You need that. It will not only help the one, it will not only help the one you're mentoring, it will also help you. And then finally, find a team, a group of people that you can travel with, that you can do life with, because they will share your passion. A mentor ignites your passion. Someone to mentor catches your passion. And a team shares your passion. I love what God allowed me to see in Tanzania. We were not expecting that. We know that God's going to show up, but we were surprised with how much he shows up. And I believe that God wants to do that in your own life. And so I thank you for the privilege of being here this morning to share with you what I've been discovering, the journey that I'm on. And may we look forward to a time in heaven we can have forever. And I can find out from you and meet the person you've mentored. And they can share with me their story and the generations that are affected and changed. 
I'm so thankful that God brought a mentor into my life. He brought mentors into my life and he still is. And now he's challenging me. Will you go mentor others? So let me pray for you uh, as we prepare to close here. God, I thank you so much for the fact that you prepare people to pour into our lives. God, as much as you love Timothy and provided him with Paul, you have a story for each one of us. So God, I pray for each one of the leaders who are here. Would you allow them to find a mentor, someone who has been where they want to go and is willing to help them get there? Thank you that your spirit will provide that person for them, those people for them. And then Lord, would you allow them to find others who they can invest their lives into? That generations would be changed. People would meet you. And eternity would look different because you worked in and through us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Joshua Nation's Inheritance Podcast. We hope you are encouraged and challenged with today's message. For more from Joshua Nations, visit our website, joshuanations.org.